Welcome to the Gover Board Podcast on the Minnesota Rivals Network. Today is Wednesday, November 4th. On today's show, we're going to preview the 0-2 Minnesota Gophers Saturday matchup with an also winless Illinois team. I'm joined today by Gopher Report publisher Sean Williams and Alex Carlson, and today we're going to discuss our keys to the game, key players, score predictions, bold predictions, and more. And again, thank you for listening to the Gopher Report podcast. You can become a legend today, boys. Kelsher, aim, shoot, score! Short throw, little bubble, Chris Ottman, Bell, inside the 10, the 5, touchdown, Minnesota! When you watch Gopher football from this point forward, it will be different. We want this to become a national brand, a national movement, where people from all over the country want to come to the University of Minnesota because it's different. That's why he chose Minnesota. He wanted to play for his home state. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He wanted to come here. You know, I'm sure he's dreamed of that moment, walking off the court at the barn, chanting your name. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gopher Report podcast. Uh, we're all going to go over our keys to the game, two key players, a bold prediction and, and a score prediction. But before that, uh, me, our Gopher Report publisher, Sean Williams, and Alex Carlson are going to go over a quick thought about the Maryland game. Uh, Alex, you want to start us off there? Yeah, um, not not fun to watch. Um, it was uh, you know, brutal for, for, uh, for lack of being blunt, I guess, or to be blunt. Um, but, you know, we all watch the game. You can't expect to win when you give up 675 total yards defensively. Um, you know, even when your offense does put up 44 and, and everyone wants to go back to the missed extra point. But, you know, we all know that's not the reason why you lost. You give up 675 yards, you give up 45 points. It's hard to, it's hard to win any of those types of games. Um, Minnesota's defense clearly is young and flex kind of pounded that message home and uh, but they got to grow up quick and, and even some of the players that we thought might be stepping up you know I personally thought would step up this year pretty big you know the Jordan Howden's of the world and and do Treadway and Mafe and it just seems like none of those guys have taken a, as big of a leap as as you thought they might or as as the defense needed them to uh, but now we're in this kind of predicament we are now so you know, tough game defensively, got to continue to to develop and, and, you know, hopefully with time and maybe by the end of the season, they can start playing some good football again, but there's, but it, it's a leaky dam back there and it's, it hasn't been fun to watch. So. Yeah. The defense is something that stands out and you made a really good point. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about these young recruits that uh, coach Fleck has brought in and they have a lot of talent, but like you said, where's that breakout that everyone was expecting. Uh, Sean, what were some of your thoughts that you had after watching Maryland uh, take down the Gophers in overtime? Um, how many thoughts you want? One, two, three, four, ten? Uh, keep, it, <laughs> keep it quick, but we want some detail in there too. So let us know how you're feeling. All right. Uh, defense is absolutely atrocious, obviously. You got a two-game sample, so you kind of know what you got going forward, uh, like we kind of talked about before we started recording. Uh, Minnesota's going to have to rely on their offense a lot this season. Uh, they're going to have to be uh, pretty efficient, too, and not turn the ball over uh, because that defense is not going to stop a lot of people. Um, would have liked to have seen a little bit more aggressive offensive play calling late in the fourth quarter. Uh, I know uh, Andy Greeter kind of brought up on Twitter, like that third and two play where they kind of 
handed the ball off to Mo up the middle where Maryland was stacking the box. Uh, that play didn't really work out. It's kind of like an RPO play. Maybe Tanner Morgan should have kept it uh, and, and uh, you know, maybe uh, got the first down there. Probably could have. Uh, but, you know, there was other instances, too, where I think they were just trying to run the ball. Uh, obviously, you want to try to run the clock, but you got to get first downs, too. And, I mean, they were being super aggressive uh, mostly all the game all through the game and, uh, you know, it was working out just fine, you know, and then you kind of get a little conservative there in the fourth quarter when you lost that 17 point lead. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see a little bit more aggressive play calling there in the uh, fourth quarter. And, and Alex, like you said, you mentioned, uh, you know, the extra point in overtime, <laughs> you know, that's not on the kicker at all. Uh, when you score that touchdown in overtime and you uh, pretty much are there and you have that opportunity, you got to go for two. You just got to go for two. You can't rely on the on the uh, on the defense. Uh, I know in the second overtime that Minnesota would have got the ball first on offense, and uh, you know I know in the post game presser or uh, in the post game radio show right after the game, you know they asked Fleck, you know if, if he thought about going for two there, and he said no. He said he wanted to get the ball in the second overtime, score, put pressure on Maryland's offense, but. Actually, you know, that means you're going to rely on your defense, and that's that didn't work out too well, you know, on Friday night. So, uh, would have liked to have seen them be aggressive and go for two. I think that, uh, you know, that would have been a you just got to go for two there. You got to be aggressive. You can't rely on that defense. You can't go into a second overtime considering you lost a 17 point lead. You're kind of still in the game. You're the road team. Go for two, be aggressive, try to get the win. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stop there. How about that? <laughs> uh, that works great. That helps me transition to, to my point that I want to make because I know we talked about this a little bit uh, before we started recording, uh, Sean and I. Uh, at what point with this defense do you actually feel comfortable just trying to run the ball out and then you can punt back and rely on your defense to get a stop for you? Personally, uh Four touchdowns is when I would take my foot off the gas with the defense that the Gophers have. And they were up 17. They were up three scores. And they, I think they took their foot off the gas a little early. Um, I mean, just like you said, um, conservative, they're running the ball up the middle every time. That play that you brought up, they ran into nine in the box when they had seven blockers. And then you look outside and Rashad Bateman and Chris Ottman-Bell, two guys that can get separation as good as anybody in the Big Ten, are lined up one and one and you run into a heavy box to waste and take more time off the clock uh, when your defense has been playing like this. So that that's uh, the biggest question I had. I know you guys both harped on the defense and rightfully so. Um, I don't feel like I need to beat a dead horse anymore for just the Maryland statement. So uh, just the offensive conservative, conservative play calling is uh, what I'm going to hang my hat on for my statement for the Maryland game. You guys have any thoughts on uh, that before we move on to Illinois? To me, I couldn't agree more. I think you, you, you know, to make, make fun of the quote a little bit, but you play to win the game and it, it's true. At some point you have to play to win the game. You can't play not to lose. And I thought coach Fleck played to lose on that, on that third down. Uh, he went conservative trying to milk clock. You know, it's two yards. You have returning wideouts. You have returning quarterback who's phenomenal. And you, you, you chose to play not to lose. And I thought you could have iced the game with the first down and, yeah, just a disappointing call uh, on the on the part of Coach Fleck there. Yeah, I got a couple of things to add, but first, Alex, I, I would like you to actually do the uh, official Denny Green impersonation, like do it for real, like you play to win the game. 
You play to win the game. All right. Here we go. That wasn't That's bad. Right that there. wasn't bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've been working on it. It could have been a little more passionate, you know, but pop a couple beers in you and we'll see. We'll get that rolling in toward the end of the show. How about that? Yeah, there we go. We get this <laughs> get this thing going. Get this get this podcast real rowdy. <laughs> right. All right. Uh yeah, a couple more things. Um, obviously, you know, like Mo Mo Abraham had a great game. But, I mean, he had 41 carries. He seemed a little gassed there at the end of the game, and I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I think he could have got a little bit more uh, involvement from Trey Potts. And, and uh, you know, I know he got some carries. I think he could have got a few more just to give Mo a little bit of a breather and uh, have him a little bit more fresher there late in the fourth quarter. Um, also, uh, I'll bring up this, and I kind of ask you guys a question. Those RPOs, I mean, we talked about that, that third and two play, you know, with Maryland stacks the box maybe Morgan could have kept that himself and got, you know, uh, a first down. But, you know, those RPO plays, you know, Morgan's not keeping it a lot this season so far. And I don't know about you guys, but last year, I mean, in these RPO situations, did is was there a lot of instances where Morgan kept the ball and, and got some yards? Are you not seeing that that much this year compared to last year? What are your guys' thoughts on that? In terms you, say, you say he kept it like with, with, with his feet? And yes. Like yeah. well, no. Okay. No, that uh, he didn't. He a didn't couple run times, a ton last year. Like maybe, maybe I definitely could count on the like one hand how many times he just kept it for himself on one of those plays. I don't think those are those are inside zone uh, RPOs. They're not ever doing it where Morgan's the like a read ball option. Yeah. yeah, it's not really read option. He's just it's run or pass, and it's usually run. Right. That, you I know, think due to due to Coach Flex conservative nature i just think he, he chooses not to not to have morgan carry the ball just for yeah injury purposes mm-hmm. i could i could see that in a lot of situations but in a situation like that i would like to have you know i think it'd be cool to have an option like that where you can you know morgan can do that i mean he's he's a big dude i mean i'm, I'm you know he didn't have to run the ball 10 times a game or you know but maybe do it like three or four times i think that would be a, a good mix up you know i, I think it just it's good to have options, but like you said, Connor, I mean, you know, you got Bateman and, and uh, Altman Bell on the outside that you could run some slant, slants on that play too, you know, and, and throw the ball and, and trust those guys to make plays. So, uh, but yeah, those are my two other things. And I'm, I'm not going to ramble on too much more about that. So if you guys want to talk about it, go ahead. I think we've spoken our piece on the Maryland game. Uh, let's yeah, let's, we, we, let's we shift our focus. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's out there. It's dead. It's gone. Let's shift our focus to Illinois, where we'll go through some keys on both offense and defense. Sean, what's your first offensive key for Minnesota? Um, offensive key. Um, well, like we were talking about before we uh, hit the real record button, um, Illinois' defense, uh, especially their pass defense, is not good. Uh, actually, it's worse than Minnesota's or last in the Big Ten and pass defense. So this is a uh, this is a game where Minnesota's passing game should be able to shine. Uh, you know, Bateman, Ottman, Bell, uh, even getting Daniel Jackson involved, throw some tight ends in there. Uh, there's a lot to uh, a lot to take advantage of over the middle. And uh, we talk about uh, talking to uh, our uh, Orange and Blue News uh, site, our Illinois site on our Rivals Network, Doug Bashan. Um, you know, he said. You know, Wisconsin and Purdue's carved up Illinois' defense, you know, with passing in the middle of the field. And so I know last year that was kind of Minnesota's bread and butter uh, with Tanner Morgan. So um, that's definitely uh, definitely a thing to look forward to 
on uh, offense for Minnesota. I think uh, defensively, you're, it kind of goes back to uh, um, obviously Illinois has got some issues at quarterbacks. They're on their four-string quarterback, uh, Corin Taylor, who, who kind of came in and did a really decent job, honestly. Uh, kept him in the ballgame against Purdue, but uh, played pretty well, but also had some turnovers. Some had a couple of uh, interceptions, had a couple fumbles. Uh, the last fumble we had was kind of like the game winner. P Purdue kind of picked that up and took it in for a touchdown, so – um, so yeah, he's a four-string quarterback. Uh, you expect mistakes like that to be made. Uh, so he's going to be in again because uh, they have COVID issues. Brandon Peters is out. Isaiah Williams is out because of COVID concerns. Their third stringer that started the uh, game against Purdue got injured. Uh, that's why Corin Taylor was in there. So this this kid's got some abilities, it seems. Um, but he's a, he's a dual-threat guy, so he can kind of burn you with his legs and his arm. But uh, I think you know, I think it's kind of right for Minnesota's defense, especially their front front defense, front line, to get some pressure on this kid and try to uh, force him into some bad throws, uh, try to get to him and force him to force some fumbles too. So uh, Boy Mafe, uh, Micah Dutreway and those guys, I mean, I think it'd be a, be a time for them to maybe some, create some turnovers like they, you know, they created a couple against Maryland. I think they could create a couple more against Illinois too. And that's one of those things. Uh, it's a very good key, and we've talked about it a few times. It's one of those things Minnesota's really struggled with this year. Besides Boye Mafe, uh, no other sacks on defense. So uh, is it just going to be him all year? Or are people going to step up? Um, and uh, Illinois and a young quarterback, or not a young quarterback, but a backup quarterback is a good place to start and try to get more pressure on a guy. So um, I, well, I think that's really important. Yeah not just a backup quarterback, a backup, backup, backup quarterback. All the way backup quarterback. Yeah, all the way. <laughs> Alex, what, what are some of the keys that you've got for us? I'm going to go um, a little bit more diversity on offense in terms of, uh, and Sean pointed out a little bit earlier, but just in terms of the, the run pass option, I feel like that hasn't been something we've incorporated a ton yet into our offense. We do it occasionally, but um, it feels like, like last year, that was kind of our bread and butter offensively, especially in the past game. And we've kind of gone away from that a little bit. Um, you know, granted, it's been two games, but you know, we're only throwing for about 193 yards per game. Last year was over 250 plus yards per game passing. So, and granted, two games, but it's still down, you know, 50 yards a game uh, passing wise from last year, down a couple attempts, down about five completion percentage from a year ago as well. And I get that we lost Tyler. You know, we lost a big, all big time player and an NFL draft pick. So, sure, you might think, uh, you know, there, there's some stats to be lost there, but at the same time, you still brought back Ottman Bell and you still brought back Bateman and all these other guys. And I, I didn't expect us to, to drop from a passing perspective. I didn't expect this drop off that we have seen so far. So, um, and as Illinois gives up over 300 yards a game through the air, you know, you think this is a good opportunity for us to start pushing the ball downfield and start working in the middle of the field with the RPOs and, and try to get back on track there defensively it's it's going to be tackling you know we talk about trying to get pressure on quarterbacks and, and trying to you know schematically do we fit correctly but at the end of the day if players just can't tackle which we've they've shown through two games that they they are not very good at so far then all that stuff doesn't really matter you know there's a number of times last week where we had pressure on on Tagovailoa uh, he spins it because we tack the wrong shoulder he spins out of it and runs for a 30 plus yard gain or or we have a guy unblocked in the hole to make the play and he just you know, loses his feet, dives and ankles, and, and they break the tackle. And, and so eventually it gets to a point where schematically and all that stuff, it doesn't really matter if you can't, if you just can't get the guy on the ground and can't tackle. So 
that's something I'm, I'm looking forward to improve. And I think that's another going to be another big key uh, this week as Illinois has a mobile quarterback as well. I'm going to, I'm going to build off your offensive key for mine. Um, I think we all have very similar offensive keys in terms of, um, I think it's going to be built off the pass game and I think it needs to be more so uh, looking at so far, Tanner Morgan has thrown four passes longer than 20 yards through the air this year, and he's completed all of them. Uh, I know last year they brought up the stat with him and Joe Burrow during that first game that the two best quarterbacks in the country throwing the ball downfield uh, were Tanner Morgan and Joe Burrow, the number one pick, and looks to be like a very good NFL quarterback. So I, I just the go for offense, just airing it out and making sure that their foot's on the gas and they're not comfortable with a 17 point lead like they were last week. Uh, so that's my first key to the game. Uh, my uh, I guess my defensive key that I'm going to go with here is um, just getting stops. I think if you get five or six stops forced punts which the gophers have not done this year not even close how many punts have do you guys know the number is it two or three that they've forced this year forced punts yeah force oh, maryland man. or force maryland off the field force michigan i don't think there was a i don't think michigan we forced a single one first drive of the game they did against michigan oh so they had one and then against maryland they had because I'm trying to think at the end of the half, even if if, if that was a forced punt or, or near the end of the game, if that was if they punted actually, or if we uh, I think they remember. punted I think we, once I think in they, the first once, half. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna go with two throughout so, the entire season. So two forced punts this year. I'm gonna say uh, one key to the game, uh, maybe too specific defensively, but uh, get forced four, two forced two punts. <laughs> I want I want forced three punts. Oh. Three total punts to be forced against a backup, backup, backup quarterback who he did show he's uh, um, he can make plays. He can make plays with his arm and uh, on the run, but uh, he's also prone to mistakes. So get three stops, force three punts, uh, and that's a win for your defense. Uh, anything else that we didn't go over that you guys want to get off your chest that you think is important for Minnesota on Saturday? Connor getting crazy with those four three punts with the defense. I mean, yeah, easy ooh. man. <laughs> no, I will say this. Uh, you know, we talked about Illinois' pass defense. It, it's obviously really bad. It's like I said, it, the pass defense is worse than Minnesota's, but your run defense is really good. So you guys talk about opening up Minnesota, opening up the passing game, which I think would be key. I think they need to just really focus on that right away. And I think if you kind of gash them with the pass, you'll open up the run game for Mo a little bit. Uh, Illinois is only allowing about uh, 3.14 yards per carry. They've got some really veteran dudes up front there. Uh, they've got a nose tackle that's uh, it's like a, a FCS All-American that transferred over from South Carolina State that's doing really well. they got a couple of really good linebackers, a really good safety. So they've been kind of doing a good job of stuffing the run. Uh, but obviously their pass defense is, is uh, very, very suspect. Uh, and I think it's kind of like you guys said, and we've all kind of said, I think Minnesota, this is a good game for Minnesota to really get it cracking with the uh, with the air raid and uh, get some passing yards down. I think once you once you do that, open up the passing game, I think you'll open up the run game and, and Mo can run a little bit on this Illinois team that, that's pretty stingy up front when it comes to the run defense. The big thing I'm looking for is just leadership especially defensively. I, I, there's been, I, I feels like such a, such a gap there and, and, and 
Minnesota has, it doesn't appear there's any leaders there. I'm not sure who, sure who they are currently, if there is, and I'm not sure the team knows who they are either. We need some veteran on the, on the defensive side of the ball to right the ship and be able to calm the defense down when they give up a few bad drives. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not sure who it is, but we need somebody to step up and then step up in a big way in order to, to get that defense, you know, in order to right the ship. Where does that need to come from? In your opinion, is it, a guy like Jordan Howden, who's in his third year starting to step up and start to be more vocal and assert himself as a leader? Is it the experienced guys at corner? I know they're not to blame for a lot of it, so it's hard for them to kind of pull guys out of the rut that the ones making the mistake. Or is it a guy like Mariano Sorimarin who just hasn't really been playing well this year? Not at all. He, He has not been great. He was the lowest graded defender on the Gophers, but he's someone that um, before the season, if you were going to pick out a defensive leader, who you think it's going to be, uh, Sorry Morton is pretty close to the top of the list. So, uh, I mean, that's a great point and something to look for. I think not just this game, but I mean, all season long down the road, if this defense continues to play the way it's been playing. Right. I, I, I look at, in my opinion, I, I always look to the best players. You know, your best players have to be your leaders. And, and of course, they have to also be your best on the field players. And the best players in my eyes defensively are Coney Durr, you know, Benjamin St. Juice, um, Mekadu Treadway, Asezi, uh, Boye Mafe. All, and that's five guys right there who've played a lot of football. And that's not even including Jordan Howden, who's in his you know, third year as a starter, essentially. So you, I, there's six guys right there who are upperclassmen who have been around the program for three to four years now, you know, been played in a lot of big games. And, and those are six guys you know, it's not, it's, it's not even just one or two, there's six of them right there. And you, all of them I thought would take a step forward on the field. And, and, you know, when you have a lot of seniors around you, like Coughlin and Winston last year, and of course, Thomas Barber, Kamal, Antoine, a lot of other guys, you know, those are the leaders, right? So you don't, you don't feel like you have to be vocal and have to step up and have to, you know, start leading uh, from that perspective, either on the field or off the field, because those, those guys are already doing it. And then all of a sudden one day, those guys all get drafted and leave the team. And then everyone's looking around kind of thinking, all right, well, where is it going to come from now? Uh, And I think there's six guys out there and I'm not even saying Mariano necessarily, because I think he's still a younger guy who still is working his way within the, in the team. And he was only in the second year or so. So, to me, that's, you know, that's what it, that's what it comes down to. Those veteran guys have to step up. They have to play better on the field and, and somebody, you know, or a couple guys within have to step up and, and start, you know, calming the waters when things get rocky and start making some plays. And you saw that with Winfield last year was a guy who, who, when things kind of looked bad and everyone was kind of starting to look around, like who's going to, who's going to make the play here. It was always Winfield and he was always making the pick or always making that tackle or always, you know, getting a, a TFL on a big play that would force a second and long. And at some point, we just need some players to make some plays. Uh, so to transition to our, our next topic after that, which is key players on offense and defense, I'll just ask Alex. So who is your key player on defense? We'll start there uh, this week. So for this one, I'm going to go back to Mariano. Um, and I think any of the six guys I had mentioned, I probably could have could have listed some reasons as to why they need to step up. But I'm going to go with Mariano for the fact that he is currently third on the team in tackles behind both our safeties, Howden and Newbin, both of which Howden and Newbin have, have had some struggles this year, uh, particularly Newbin as well so far. You know, if your safeties are leading the team in tackles, it's one thing if it's Antoine Winfield, who's a, who's a first-team All-American. Um, if it's Two other guys, typically that means that the ball's getting to the third level and they're having to make some plays, you know, because somebody on the first two levels 
wasn't able to make that play. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Mariano. Like you said, hasn't played particularly well this year. Um, look for him to, to maybe make some plays and get his confidence back. And, um, and, and hopefully, like I said, start, start this kind of change, you know, change of the process and get us or get, or get the Gophers defense looking much better as the season winds on. Yeah. Um, that, so, sorry, sorry, what you say? I was going to say that, uh, that, improvement on defense if we do start to see a turn i think it's going to start and end with the linebacker position and someone stepping up or for them to just continue not showing up week in week out absolutely my second key player for offense is going to be nathan bowie um axel rushmeyer left the game last week with a i believe it was an ankle injury lower body injury nathan bow or bowie I apologize if I mispronounce your name, Nathan. He uh, he stepped in and uh, he actually did some nice things. I thought at guard, I really liked his tape coming out of high school. He was very mobile, um, was very good at you know reach blocking and very quick and getting around you know defensive linemen. I thought he did some nice things at guard from what I watched. It looked like he actually had a pretty good feel. Uh, him and Schluter on the left side had a pretty good feel, and uh, and John Michael Schmitz working some of the inside zone and and, and working off you know double teaming to the linebacker. So I like what I saw to him. Um, looking forward to him. If it is going to be him again this week, looking forward to see what he can do and, and hopefully uh, keep our offense humming. And that'll be uh, another thing to watch with uh, Illinois. Their run defense has been solid, and Minnesota's game predicates so much on the ground game. So that'll be interesting to watch if Bo starting how he steps in and meshes with the group again after a full week um, going through practice as a starter. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts? Uh, start offensively for you. Who do you think is going to be a big key and important piece of the game plan for the Gophers? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, – it's going to be a, a kind of an obvious no-brainer pick just because he's having a great season. But uh, Mo uh, Abraham, I'm going to – I'm kind of curious to see how he kind of plays against this Illinois defensive front to, uh, like, you know, I just kind of mentioned earlier – uh, doing very well against the run uh, this year, uh, allowing just over three yards of carry. So obviously we kind of think this is going to be where Minnesota kind of focuses more on the pass, at least open things up. I'm kind of curious to see how uh, how Moe's going to do against the, against the defense uh, that's very good against the run so far this year. Um, so I know he's had some two great games. I'm kind of curious if he can – he can have three games in a row over 100 yards against this Illinois defense. So I'm, I'm going to go with him just because of the intrigue there in the matchups and everything. Uh, this is, seems to be a little bit of a stiffer run defense than uh, uh, well, obviously Michigan was pretty stiff and he, and he did a good job against those guys up front. So I'm kind of curious how he'll do against Illinois, uh, who's who's done well against the run defense so far this year. Um, defensively, I kind of go back to uh, one of my keys to the game and that's just getting pressure on uh, – uh, Corin Taylor, the the four string <laughs> quarterback for Illinois. So I'm I'm I'll just go with uh, Boye Mafe. Um, you know he's he's shown some flashes uh, um, in terms of sacks, and obviously he got uh, you know he he was one of the uh, guys that got his mitts up in the air last week and and kind of caused that interception uh, by getting his hands up in the air. So uh, I'm kind of curious to see if he'll. Uh, He'll be able to kind of get some pressure on the on the quarterback, get some sacks, uh, force some turnovers, um, you know, and, and just kind of you know wreak a little havoc against a, a guy that's very inexperienced back there uh, and as a at the quarterback position for Illinois. Uh, you took my offensive one, so you're gonna make me change up here late. I don't I know. How have I'm a backup, about, man. I don't know how I'm feeling about that. I got to take a segment first now that. I'll just throw I'll just throw it to myself so you guys can't steal my picks. 
Uh, but I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go Tanner Morgan for my offensive key player. Um, I think Minnesota's going to realize that their offense can't really take their foot off the gas uh, with the defense that they have behind them. Uh, so they're going to air it out a little bit more. And um, Minnesota's going to need to maybe get a lead to make Illinois feel uncomfortable and feel like they need to – uh, get something going and uh, maybe that helps Minnesota get stops uh, but I think um, a lot of the offensive firepower and maybe a little bit more explosion uh, could be in the playbook this week uh, so I'm going to go with Tanner Morgan as my offensive key player um, on the defensive side um, I want to go with Micah Du Treadway I think uh, right up front we need to see uh, the Gophers play a little bit better, uh, stopping the run for first and for foremost. Uh, I mean, Maryland had big plays. They had their running back go for over 200 yards on them. And uh, it just seems like Minnesota's not getting a lot of push. So uh, I'm looking for one of those uh, older guys, like Alex mentioned, more experienced players who've played a lot of football um, either at the Minnesota or at other schools and now Minnesota and uh, they've been playing for a long time and Micah Dutreadway is one of those guys that uh, really hasn't made the impact that uh, many have possibly expected um, he's definitely um, had a decent career with Minnesota so far but I think people were expecting a little bit more for from him and uh, I think it's because he has the potential to do more so uh, that's going to be my guy on the defensive end uh, anything else you guys want to mention or comment on that uh, we've brought up I think I've uh, I've said my piece about uh, about Minnesota where Minnesota needs to improve so I'm uh, I'm okay with moving on Sean you got anything no, I was just gonna compliment Connor on the uh, on the uh, backup plan there. I think Tanner Morgan's a good pick because uh, you know it's like we kind of all said. I think this is a game where you you want to see the passing game break out a little bit. You know, Alex kind of mentioned it. Uh, Minnesota's only averaging about 193 yards passing per game. That that needs to go up uh, the rest of the season. It just ha it just has to because it's like we said. This this defense is not very reliable. You're not gonna rely on them to make stops. Uh, get turnovers. I mean, I know they got a couple against Maryland, but, you know, there's not a lot of faith in this defense right now. So the offense is going to have to put some points on the board. They're going to have to be more aggressive. They're going to have to put their foot on the gas, like you said, Connor. So uh, good pick there by Tanner. I think this is a game where he could break out and, and, you know, maybe have over 300 yards, 350 yards plus passing. Thank you. I'll, I'll let you continue a little bit. Uh, one bold prediction. Is, is that your bold prediction or you got something else lined up? Oh, I got something else lined up. We always talk about now. It is passing related, though. But okay. uh, you know, we always talk about Bateman. We talk about Altman Bell. Obviously, those are the two, uh, the two weapons on the passing game. But I think I think uh, Daniel Jackson. It's time for him to break out, and I think this is a game where he can break out. I've got. I'm not going to go too elaborate. I'm going to say he's he's going to have over 70 yards receiving in this game. All right, that's that's pretty bold. He hasn't gotten close to that yet, so I'll give you that. I'll give you bull. I've I've noticed we're getting slightly less bold as time goes on, and we get wrong, and we're wrong though. Uh, should I win? Hey, should I win hey, over fifty receiving yards? <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's uh, mine's definitely less bold as well. But um, I would have respected anybody who picked D'Angelo Carter interception last week. I, I don't think either of you had that. Well, yeah, I would have loved to see the Vegas odds on that one. <laughs> Alex, what do you got for a bold prediction? I will go. Coney Durr, two interceptions. 
just uh, I, I feel you know I think the corners have played played okay so far this year. Not great, but played okay. Um, you know, Coney's a fifth year senior now. Um, I think it's a, it's a time for him to step up and start making some plays. And with a backup quarterback, he might start forcing a couple passes. So um, I'm looking for Dur to step up and make some plays. I'm gonna go two picks for him. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to offensive for my goal, another passing related one. Uh, but this one's gonna be for Tanner Morgan. I'm going four passing touchdowns for Tanner Morgan against Illinois. I just think they need to air it out, and they know that they know they need to score points, so they're gonna get the ball in the hands of their best players. And uh, three of the top four are probably Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, and Chris Alman Bell, and maybe that'll help Daniel Jackson get to the 70 yards Sean wants for him. So. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll go uh, Tanner Morgan four touchdowns for my prediction. And uh, getting into score predictions now, uh, Sean, what do you got? What's the final score? Gophers versus Illinois. Uh, I got another tight one here. Uh, Minnesota thirty-eight, Illinois thirty-four. The Gophers do get it done. I think they put some points on the board. The passing game opens up. I think Illinois is going to score some points, and I think. Look, I know this guy, the, the, the Taylor kid's a four-stringer, but he's a dual threat, and I think that might kind of bite Minnesota's defense a little bit in terms of him making some plays. But I think he'll make some, he'll, he'll, he'll make some turnovers too, and, and that'll kind of cost him the game. So, Alex, you on the same page? What's the score prediction for you? I am. I am going to go Minnesota 45, Illini 38. Uh, I've also picked Minnesota to win the last two weeks, and that did not work in my favor. So uh, maybe I should pick maybe I should pick the Illini, but uh, Minnesota's defense has just struggled too much. I, I still pick them winning. I think the offense will do enough, but at this point, yet you have to you have to at least give it, give the Illinois points because our defense has done nothing to show that they won't make it a close game and that it won't be high scoring. But uh, ultimately, Minnesota forty-five, Illinois thirty-eight. I'm going. Uh, I, I think we had the same thoughts when we were going through this uh, process of making the score prediction of the game because I, I was definitely looking at it going back and forth, realize I'm 0-2 so far picking for Minnesota. And uh, for, for that reason, I didn't go back to Minnesota. I'm going 38-35 Illinois. Uh, I just – I don't know. I don't believe in this defense yet. I don't think they can get enough stops. And um, I know Sean put up stats on how their defense is really playing, and it's among the worst in the country in a lot of metrics. Uh, I just don't think that they're going to get as many stops as Illinois is going to be able to get on them. So uh, for that reason, I got Illinois pulling out a close one and Minnesota dropping 0-3. Wow. Hey. Hard to blame you. <laughs> yeah, no, look, uh, yeah, it, it is hard to blame you, especially if, if uh, Brandon Peters was starting for Illinois. Uh, yeah, I probably would have changed my pick, but I think Minnesota can squeak this out. But uh, it's not, it's not going to be easy, and they're not going to be easy the rest of the way. And this is, uh, at least schedule-wise, I think this is going to be a, a game that, you know, maybe Minnesota's best chance to win. The rest of the season, I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to chime in on that, but, it, you know, I think this is a game that they probably – I mean, it's the, it's the game they could probably uh, – probably the biggest – the best odds to win the rest of the way on their schedule. Yeah, and, I mean, it's probably – it's as close to a must-win as you can get for a program. Uh, right. I think I think they need a little bit of belief. And, honestly, I, I know we talked about this before also. Uh, I don't think that – they're going to be favored in any games going forward, but I also don't think that they're going to ever really get 
really blown out because their offense can score with anybody. But I know we brought it up earlier. How long are they just going to be able to keep up that pace while their defense just gets uh, just ripped through? So, I mean, it'll be interesting. It's uh, I think it's definitely the best chance to win going forward, and then we'll see what happens from there. Yep. Uh, let's move into uh, picks around the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, Alex, you want to start with uh, how your week's going to look? Sure. Um, I will take in the Michigan-Indiana game, I'm going to take Michigan 34, Indiana 31. Um, Indiana's been been really fun to watch this year. They got their Penix, their quarterback, is really he's, – he's, he's phenomenal, and, and I've really enjoyed actually turning into those games. It's traditionally a team you don't always uh, get to see, you know, Playing, playing a ton of primetime games or, or getting uh, or be kind of being in the mix. So, um, but ultimately, I think Michigan's still going to pull that one out 34 31 over Indiana, Nebraska 28, Northwestern 21, Michigan State 31, Iowa 17, Penn State 24, Maryland 21, Minnesota 45, Illinois 38. Already had that one. Sorry for, for saying it twice. Um, Ohio State 52. Rutgers 27. I think that's a game that will probably be closer in the beginning than we think. And then Ohio State pulls away, you know, maybe the third quarters and the second quarter, third quarter. Um, and then, like I said last week, Wisconsin Purdue was canceled. And uh, the loser is all of us because whenever there's less football, we all lose. So um, that is my uh, as my around the Big Ten predictions. That's two weeks in a row. We've all been losers. I know. Well, if, if you're me, it's, you know, it's it's week like. <laughs> whatever 40 at this point but john what are your picks looking like anything yeah. different any any big upsets yeah. on your ballot actually yeah a little bit different alex you know uh we got some similar scores just maybe a little bit different outcomes on our picks and and honestly connor i'll, I'll put in a, a slight request as we do these picks we need to have like some inspirational music in the background you know like we're expert pickers and stuff like that so oh uh, uh, we'll get we'll find something for you yeah, little uh, little Rudy uh, Rudy uh, opera music or something like that. I don't know, but anyway, uh, on with the around the Big Ten picks for me. Uh, Michigan State at Iowa. I've got 31-29. Spartans keep it rolling. Uh, obviously, they beat Michigan last week, so uh, they keep things rolling. Beat Iowa. Uh, Nebraska at Northwestern. I've got this one 27-21. Northwestern. The Wildcats remain unbeaten. Michigan at Indiana. We had the same score, Alex. I just have a different outcome. The Hoosiers keep the train rolling. And I've got Maryland at Penn State. Maryland's going to put up some points here, but Penn State ultimately wins 38-28. Rutgers at Ohio State. We all know how this will probably end, even though I've got Ohio State scoring a little bit less than Alex had. I've got 42-28 Buckeyes win on that one. Hey, and Rutgers has been pleasantly surprising. They're definitely better than I thought they would be in year one under Shiano. It's been fun to see how he's turned around that, that program, even in his first year, you, you feel like they're playing with a much more sense of you know toughness and, and identity, if you will, um, than they have in past years, which has been fun. I just like turning on Rutgers and it's, it, it's good football. Like you can watch that football game in years past. They just uh, really haven't brought anything to the big 10 and uh, looks like Shiano's on his way to maybe doing that. So I think they've, uh, they've, they've done a good job. I think their offensive coordinator, I don't know what his name is, but he came from Oklahoma state. So they've got a, they've got like an Oklahoma state style offense. So, um, you know, it makes them a little, it makes them fun to watch. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Um, and I know uh, I gave you a little bit hard time for last week for um, how close you thought uh, Rutgers was going to come to Indiana. I didn't think it was going to happen. They did. So I'll give you credit there. Even though I had winning, them winning the first week and had that right, I did not think it was going to be close against Indiana. So I'll give you some credit for believing in them uh, last week. Thank you. Uh, going into my picks, I'm going to go Northwestern 31-28 over Nebraska, remain undefeated. Uh, 27-21 Indiana over Michigan. Um, I think that the Michigan hype after the Minnesota win might have been a little bit premature. Uh, it looks like uh, the turn of the corner that we thought um, Joe Milton and Jim Harbaugh made at Michigan. Maybe that wasn't true. Maybe that's just Minnesota's defense. So uh, walking back the hype a little bit on there, and I like the way Indiana's played. So I'll go 27-21 Indiana. Uh, Michigan State at Iowa. I have Iowa winning this one 23-20. I don't think Michigan State's a great football team. Um, Iowa hasn't played like it either, uh, but it's at Iowa. I think they're going to get their first win. I don't think uh, an Iowa team will start 0-3 under Kirk Ferentz. Uh, Maryland and Penn State, uh, I got 38-14 Penn State. Uh, and then Rutgers-Ohio State, I got 48-17 Ohio State. Um, so those are the picks for this week. I believe, Sean, you're still in the lead on the, on the Gopher Report staff leaderboard. Uh, I have not checked the official leaderboard, but uh, considering my 6-1 and one, uh, start, I, I would say I'm probably still the lead. That's just my guess, though. I have to look at it, though. But it, it'll be uh, all updated on our staff predictions and whenever we release those on uh, on Friday, which we kind of already did in this podcast. But, hey, uh, we'll, we'll do it in written form. Yeah, and uh, I, I think me, Jared, and Alex have a little bit of ways to go to catch up, but plenty of time left in the season, so – uh, ho hopefully we'll get there. Uh, any closing thoughts uh, either on Illinois, on the rest of the Big Ten, anything before we go, Alex? Uh, a couple of closing thoughts here. And, and, and you were you meant you kind of said something kind of that made me think a little bit that, you know, maybe Michigan's not the team we thought it was. I honestly think it's quite possible that nobody in the Big Ten is that good, except for maybe Ohio State. Um it's possible Michigan's not as good as we thought they were. Penn State seems like they've taken a, a significant drop from a year ago. Wisconsin obviously has only played one game, so it's hard to kind of get a read on them. Uh, Indiana looks to be pretty good, but again, are they just playing some some not great Big Ten teams? I'm not sure. So it, that could be that's something I'm I'm kind of prematurely watching as we walk in the next couple of weeks here. Is maybe maybe the Big Ten overall this year is just is just a little bit lacking in, in some of its um, you know, skill players and, and, and some talent there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of a, a little thought I had. And then one thing I, I do like to include every single week is my uh, is the weather update for the weekend um, in Champaign, Illinois. It will be a high of 72 and completely sunny on Saturday. So looking good there. Come for the keys to the game and stay for the Alex Carlson weather mm -hmm. report. That's mm -hmm. got to be back a, every week, baby, breaking got, breaking down that weather. If, gotta if, be you, don't get, if you don't like my analysis. So yeah, if you don't like my analysis, at least stick with me for the weather because you know you know it's going to be right. And you, well, actually, you don't know it's going to be right, but you know it's going to bring it, and you know it's going to be good. So <laughs> we got to get someone to sponsor that, so we're uh, get that plugged a little bit more. So we'll work on that. Uh, Sean, any thoughts before we go? Uh, no, not really, man. I, I don't want to rain on uh, Alex's weather report, really. Um, I, I, oh, that's I a bad. That's a that's a bad pun, man. That's a bad pun. 
<laughs> I, I just came back with a yeah, I don't steal my thunder. If you just want a second <laughs> terrible, a second terrible pun on top of it. <laughs> All right, and okay. and with with some bad we gotta puns, end this podcast. <laughs> with some bad puns, uh, we're gonna let you go again. A lot of pregame content coming before the Gophers play Illinois on Saturday. Uh, but again, thank you for listening to the Gopher Report podcast.